0: You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 49. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Hi, this is Ed K. Smith from the Business Marketing Show here with my co-host, Brendan Tully, and welcome back to the podcast for 2016. We're going to be talking about today in our first episode, uh, Small Business Online Marketing Blueprint for 2016, so how you can best prepare yourself to uh, get ahead with the oncoming internet and marketing strategies that you'll need to uh to get great results so thanks brendan for joining me
1: on the show how are you mate you're welcome you're welcome ed anytime
0: anytime so <laughs> we've, we've had a break like most people over the uh, christmas new year and we're, we're back into it uh and of course everyone is trying to work out what they're doing with their internet marketing strategies or their on, their online strategies And uh, there's a thousand things that are flying at them, whether it's social media or (laughs) or Google AdWords or do this or do that, or you've got to have this, you've got to have that. And I think most people get pretty much overwhelmed and uh, end up doing nothing because they just get completely frustrated. So we are going to go through a bit of a blueprint today for what we think are some of the core strategies and tools to use uh, for moving forward in 2016. So... Take it away, mate. What's the first one we got on the list to go through for people? Cool.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So I had um, I was having a conversation the other day. Uh, I met a friend. I was out for breakfast, and he said something along the lines of, "SEO that's just like that's it's like a black art, isn't it?" And it was it was kind of like, "No, it's not actually. It's it's pretty simple once you chunk it down and you know look at the individual building blocks separately." And you know, I think there's a lot of we talked about on a previous episode that I think a lot of people in the web industry have made a living and a career and built businesses on top of making this stuff complicated and making it seem like a a black art. Um, But it's really pretty simple once you break it down to the building blocks and don't try and tackle it all all at once in one day or one week. Um, But I think step one is really having the right mindset around it Um, and there's probably There's a handful of common mistakes that people make. Probably the the two big ones are around the amount of time it's going to take and the way you're investing time in your website and online marketing. Um, And then probably also around the cost as well because I've seen a few emails lately and just having conversations, people saying that the cost of their website just seems to be going up every year. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you've got to remember that your reliance on the website as a marketing tool is also going up every year and you know if you're doing the right things, the performance and what you're getting out of that website, you know the return on that spend should also be going up every year. Um, so I think there's really the first step would be getting your head right and you know fixing or you know eliminating some of those common mistakes or errors and thinking that the people have. So yeah, you know yeah. time and investment, I think are two big ones. It's not. I guess the cost is, you know, people are making a lot of decisions around websites and technology based on cost which is the wrong way to be doing things. Cost is certainly a factor but, you know, features and benefit um, and we've talked about this before. Particularly like things around AdWords. People say AdWords is expensive but really when it works, it should be making money not costing you money.
0: Yeah. All advertising Um, is expensive if it's not making you money. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what form it is. So you have to be able to test and measure. And we've said test and measure on this podcast like seventeen thousand times over the last couple of years. (laughs) So if you're not tracking what your return is on the each individual component of advertising that you're using, whether it's AdWords or Facebook, whatever it is, then yeah, it could be expensive. But if you don't know, then that's probably even more expensive. At least you can find out if you're testing it, whether it's working or not, and then you can make adjustments or choose to stop using it. But you need to give it uh, some proper testing and measuring before you can make that uh, choice. And most people don't. They just throw some mud at the wall, do a bit of random advertising, and then say, oh, no, it's too hard, it doesn't work. And then they throw away what potentially could have been a good source of traffic.
1: Yeah. It's funny because people will have they have no issues often spending... $1,000 or $3,000 or $5,000 or more on um, print advertising or advertising in the newspaper or a magazine. Yeah. But then really hesitant to spend, you know, even if they would spend that on a monthly basis, but then you're really hesitant to spend even a fraction of that online or on the web where you can actually track what's going on. So I think it's almost like a cognitive gap where it's okay to spend that offline. You know, the yellow page people, you know, small business would be spending 20 or 30 grand as an entry point into the yellow pages in the past. But would never like, you know, if you said that to someone, a small business owner, about spending that on a website, you know, they'd probably have a heart attack. Um, so I think it's important just to you know, be realistic about costs there, especially, you know, you're going online, which should actually perform better than offline. So really, it should actually cost more in a sense, which doesn't most of the time. But, yeah. you know, I think having that. Just the right mindset about cost. Some of the other errors that we see in the workshop, you know, you want to be number one in Google, you ask a a room full of small business owners who wants to be number one in Google, everyone puts up their hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done that one to death a bit. Um, Let's do it again because,
0: you know, ultimately people need to understand um, that being number one in Google is fine if you actually know why you're trying to be number one, and if you're number one for the right thing. But being number one for what is always the question, because people yeah j- quite often for my for my business. And what do you mean for your business? <laughs> for my keywords, what keywords? <laughs> which keywords are converting? Yeah. Do, you, do you even know which keywords are actually bringing in business at the moment? No, but I just want to be number one on Google. <laughs> uh, it's just this yeah, mantra it's- that it's almost uh, they've certainly drunk the the Google Kool Aid per se for one of a better description. Uh, so I mean, look, yeah, it's great. You want you want to have a presence on Google. You want to get traffic from Google, but you need to be smart. You need to have a strategy. Um, because ultimately, I personally think. I mean, it's often said that the internet it has made it a level playing field uh, for for businesses, and I, I don't think that's true personally. Because if you've got a a company that has an advertising budget of hundred thousand dollars a month, and yours is a thousand, even if they're doing things stupidly wrong, they're probably still going to outspend you, uh, just on dumb luck. Um, but you know, if you if you're smart with your advertising money and you you know the questions to the answers of you know who it is you're trying to target, etc. Then you can have a chance of of uh, of competing with these guys. So,
1: yeah, and absolutely. Here. I think um I did a workshop recently and we dug into this. I had a couple of slides on this being number one in Google, and I think one of the slides was number one for which keywords, on which devices, in which location, and what do you actually call number one on the page? Because we're Depending on what type of search someone's doing, number one could be in like four different places on the page. So exactly. it turned out there was eight different, I think, Google products or areas that needed attention. I think there could have been there was eight different slots you could technically call the number one spot in Google. So yeah,
0: well let's um, let's let's cover off a few of those. The, the, the first one that most people are going to be aware of is the organic search. That that would be one. Um, Then there'd be Google. The free search. The free search. The free free organic (laughs) search, uh, which existed before any of the advertising came along. So that was the only thing that there was, was the free search listings on Google. So that's how they got started. Uh, Then there's Google AdWords. So that sits at the very, very top of the the food chain because that's where Google makes their money. So they're going to have the most prominent things that clicked on the most at the top, of course. Why wouldn't they? Um, So what else we've got, Brendan, other than those? Then we've
1: got. We've got the Google Maps where you'll see on the left, typically, it's sometimes it's one, sometimes it's three, and occasionally it's more. We will see a map. And there'll be a few businesses listed underneath with address and phone number. So that's Google Maps. And then sometimes you have the Google Maps on the right-hand side um, in in the one box or the answer box. Mm-hmm. Um, then if it's an, an e-commerce thing, you'll have Google Shopping. So. Uh, if you're an e-commerce business, you want to be all over Google Shopping because often the Google Shopping search results are at the top or the right-hand side of the page at the top. Um, and then you've got other things like you've got sometimes YouTube videos are at the top of the search. Sometimes they have the answer to the question directly in the search results. So um, there's a lot of different ways to cover these things but you know, again, it comes back to the point. If you say you want to be number one in on Google, it's very short-sighted. And really, is, it's not a strategy, I guess. Being number one in Google is, is just, it's not a strategy at all. It doesn't make sense. It's like saying, I want to be a fire truck. Just, <laughs> that, was a ran, that was a random example.
0: <laughs> well, okay. I often wanted to be a fire truck, sometimes a police car.
1: Um, but yeah, I can't trucks. remember what movie it was, but it was every time I think of this in the workshop where you start off a workshop and you ask everyone, put up your hand if you want to be number one at Google. You have a bunch of, a room full of, smart intelligent and successful business owners all put up their hand you know if you went into a room and asked a bunch of kids who wants to be a fire truck everyone would put up their hand as well yeah, yeah so not a fireman a fire truck a
0: fire truck okay <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> i did that that's how i think of it. it was in some movie years ago but
0: yeah okay you know. anyway, cool. for some, a little bit. For some, for some <laughs> reason it's, i think it's a steve martin movie i don't know why but uh anywho so yeah so have the right mindset the right attitude and do some research and know what it is you're trying to achieve, other than just trying to be number one in Google, which is very vague, and very broad, and not not really going to help
1: you. So, yeah, I mean the other things are out there as we see set and forget attitude, um, looking at competitor websites continually or searching to see where competitors rank, but yeah. never doing anything about your own site, and then expecting overnight success and only doing something when your business is in trouble and you desperately need to get customers. So, yeah, I think those are all very common mistakes we see yeah. very regularly.
0: You need to be marketing when you don't need to be marketing.
1: That's mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I
0: always say. So, in other words, all the time, regardless of whether you're flat out or not, um, you know, you can tailor it a little bit so you don't – if you can't deal with uh, customers that you're getting from something like pay-per-click, then you can t- switch that off. But mm-hmm. – or your other organic-related Marketing, I think you should just be consistently doing it. And um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what have we got next? So that right? kind
1: of leads us into point two, right? Mm. So if, if the goal isn't to be number one in Google, then what is the goal? Well, the goal is to sell products and services that you sell, that you offer. So the next step would be to have a page on your website for every product and service that you sell or that you want to promote because you can't rank for it Google's not going to rank you if you don't have a page about it on your website. If you're a dentist and you sell teeth whitening services, then you're not going to rank for teeth whitening Perth or teeth whitening Sydney if there's nothing on the website about teeth whitening. It's pretty logical, but it's a major mistake um, most businesses make. So the next step would be spend 15 minutes brain dump onto a page and get a list of everything you want to sell, all the products and services, and then it's not going to be you know. It's not something you can knock out in an hour, but it's going to take some time and a little bit of work, but not a huge amount of work, is then you need to match up each one of those products and services, maybe prioritize them first, each one of those products and services with a page on the website, and then if no page exists, then the next step is to create that page.
0: Yeah. As I say, common sense, Uh, but if you don't know that, you don't know it, I suppose, so it's not that common, but it it really is uh, logical when after you've said it, they go, okay, that makes sense. If there's not yeah. a page there relating to the product or service that we're trying to target, how is Google supposed to know? And not only how is Google supposed to know, but <laughs> more importantly, how is the visitor supposed to know uh, <laughs> if there isn't that information there? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like yeah. you're trying to sell thin air because it doesn't exist. So, and just having uh, forty things on on a homepage, which I often see, all mashed into one another, and um, it, 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 it sometimes uh, perplexes me why people get hung up with creating new pages on their website. Like, oh, gee, every time I create a new page, it's going to cost me (laughs) $5,000. No, it's not. You can have as many pages as you like. That's the whole point of a content management system. Have as many pages as you need to get your message across and to display your products and services, whether it's 20 pages or 20,000 pages. That's what your website's for. That's the flexibility of a website. So just create the page related to the product or service. And half yep. of half the battle is done
1: yeah, 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 it's a funny one, but I mean it's so logical, but and in last year in two thousand and fifteen, that was our number one SEO strategy was just doing that, getting pages on a website for products and services people sell, and quite often just by having the page, they get to the top spot, particularly where it's not they don't have a huge amount of competitors, so yeah um, so a few additional bits about the, the page, it really needs to be ideally five paragraphs long. So it should really be, if you look at the, a, a good kind of measure for that is if you look at the page on your website, it should be about at least one and a half scrolls long. Mm-hmm. That's generally five paragraphs. So about 500 words, it needs to have some images on there. The video would be awesome if there is a relevant video or you can get a video from a manufacturer or vendor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns, yeah, it's if you don't write content regularly, it can be quite hard to start from scratch, start from zero. I mean, I struggle. You know, a blank page is one of the hardest things to get momentum on. Um, so, you know, in terms of content, the page needs to describe what you sell, what is the service. Um, why the customer should buy it from you so some features and benefits about the specific service as the way you provide it and maybe something unique about your business if there's if you have a usp or a unique way of doing it or you have you know 50 years in the marketplace so why they should buy it from you and then a call to action which is really how they get started and so do they call you do they send an email do they hit a book online button do they can they do all of those things you know have a contact form on the page have a book online you know form or whatever it is, or buy online option right there on the page. So I think we sell, why they should buy it, and how they get started. If you can check off those three boxes, then you're probably ahead of most competitors as well.
0: Yeah, remove the roadblocks. And that, that's one of the things I find that often you go to websites and they, they've gone to all the trouble to get you there and then they make it really difficult for you to actually speak to them or contact them. It just doesn't make sense why they've gone to all that trouble. And then put all these roadblocks in the way for, for the visitor to get through to them. So mm-hmm. just make it yeah. really easy. Keep it simple.
1: Yeah. Make- yeah. And if you do struggle with this, there are people you can pay, right? There's content writers you can pay to do it because I find, even myself, it's so hard to do it for your own stuff, but it's so much easier to do it For someone else's business because you're not so close to it and not not emotionally attached to it as well. Yeah, yeah, it
0: is. It's very, very tricky writing your own content. So it is usually better to get someone else to do it. Uh, But then that has a challenge. Whereas if you've got a very technical subject, particularly we find with like we've got some medical doctor slash sort of type clients, and they've got to be very careful with what they write. So they always want to make sure Mm -hmm. it's themselves or a or a colleague who's writing it, but often the people who are writing it aren't good writers. They know the technical stuff, but they don't put it down in an easily consumable format, uh, and they're not good copywriters. So it is a challenge. I I personally find that that is the biggest issue we have with clients now is content. Mm-hmm. The, the getting the volume of content and actually how long it takes to get the content from from people so we we certainly understand that that's a challenge that you have but there are lots of businesses out there now that cater for doing content writing so mm-hmm. yep
1: cool cool next one your favorite high one? quality web and email hosting yeah yep. okay so the email one's easy with you know We talk about that regularly. There's absolutely no reason why email should ever be down ever anymore because there are so many cloud email services, the two big ones. If you're having email problems, hitting storage limits on emails, having problems with email, then you need to have a look at either Google Apps email hosting or Microsoft Office 365 email hosting. Either of those will solve your 99.99999% of your email problems. They're very rarely down. They might be down for a few hours a year as opposed to, you know, I regularly hear from business owners where email is down for days oh, oh, regularly. Abs- yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so I've, I've been using Gmail now for how long? I don't know. At least probably 10, 10 years. And I've never had an outage that I can remember. Um, so very, very reliable because they have so many redundant redundant systems set up uh to cater for it so you know we've got several clients who are still running their mail system off their internal server at at the office and they have you know they spend tens of thousands of dollars on technical guys coming in and fixing and backing up and when things break down they just have all these issues and the the money they're losing when their emails are down because it's mission critical stuff that's going on it's just it's crazy
1: should be, there's no reason, to, especially it's so yeah. cheap too. Like, five, Google Apps is five bucks a mailbox a month or fifty bucks a mailbox a year, yeah, so, and rid- still people balk at that. But I'm like, if you pay oh. for a server in your office. That that server <laughs> that, <laughs> starts at five grand.
0: <laughs> it's so cheap. It's ridiculously cheap. Um, yeah, and you know, and it
1: includes anti-spam and antivirus, and everything, and all those other things. R- removes that, yep. all yeah. of the hassle,
0: and it's just you don't have it, and it works seamlessly across all your devices. It's a piece of cake. Yep. I just don't understand why you wouldn't have something like that rather than yep. some complicated old style system. Just doesn't make sense. But that's just me, and you. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, and that's well, that was yep. the email side of it. Of course, the hosting and that noise you heard yep. before Brendan started talking was him dragging his soapbox across the the floor to get <laughs> to get on top of it. Um, <laughs> we all have our soapboxes. And but this is this is one that we both share. So I I did drag my soapbox across as well before I started speaking.
1: Yeah. Just, just well, the thing fair. is, these are foundational. Well, you know, business runs on email today. It's now it's mission critical. It wasn't a few years ago, really, or five years ago. Um, well, it it was, but now it's like if email is down, then you know things kind of grind to a halt. But the the web hosting is also important. So again, going back to our first point. People generally tend to choose a web hosting provider based on price instead of performance. Uh, But the web hosting is basically the foundation of all the other online marketing you do. So the faster your web hosting is and the more reliable it is, then the better your online marketing is going to work. So you know yourself if you get to a website and it's slow that you leave it a lot of the time. Mm. So if it's, you know, it's taking more than 5 seconds to load, if the you know it's spinning its wheels then you just like eh, you can click on the next result in Google or just lose patience with it. Um, so your customers do that too. So, you know, you really need basically the best web hosting you can afford. Um, so performance, so the speed at which pages load is very important. So ideally they need to be under 5 seconds, ideally under 3 seconds and we can link to the tool we've recommended before uh, called Pingdom, so tools.pingdom.com which is the website speed test so you can put your web address in there and it will tell you how quickly it loads. Um, so that speed and then reliability is also important so if the website is going down all the time then you know that's a problem because it's going to hurt your Google ranking and people. You know, people are going to be clicking on things and heading to the website. It's not going to be there, and then especially important if you're paying for traffic. So, mm. if you're paying for people to visit the website and it's not online a lot of the time, then that's a really big problem. So,
0: yeah, and look, we have people uh, on the odd occasion who will go, "Oh, I'm not paying you know three or four hundred dollars a year for hosting when I can get it for two ninety nine from wherever per month." Yep. Uh, you know, you get what you pay for. And often with yep. hosting, it's buy you know buy buy once and you're gonna to, gotta to buy it again, <laughs> buy cheap, yeah. buy twice as a, as the saying goes. So uh, yeah, yeah, don't so, scrimp on hosting; it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, so our hosting platform five hundred and fifty dollars plus GST a year. Yep. Um, and to often have to answer the question, why can't I just buy this two dollars a month? Like you said, two dollars ninety nine a month or five dollars a month hosting. Well, you know our perform, our platform is hosted in Australia, it's backed up daily to different independent backup systems. It has a content delivery network so the website's actually split over hundreds of servers around the world so it'll load actually off the closest server to whoever the visitor is. Uh, it Has daily antivirus scans, it has high performance caching so the website loads a whole lot faster.
0: Mm.
1: It's able to handle every single website on our performance hosting platform, it can handle thousands of visitors at once. Those five dollar hosting plans—you'd be lucky if you know they could handle five or ten visitors. Once yeah. after that, they start to slow down and start to grind. And yep. so you know, it's a—you know—if you know, spend anything at all on advertising, if you're spending a thousand dollars a month on advertising. Then you know, to spend a little bit more on the platform that supports everything, the foundation of that advertising—you know—it really is just common sense. Yeah, Too true. If you.
0: Scrimping on, on that, then your business isn't worth running as far as I'm concerned. Because you, yep. you really, yep. if that's the attitude you take towards that, then that's reflective of the attitude you take towards your business. So yep. you've got to have yep. decent yep. hosting. All righty, next soapbox. Yep. <laughs>
1: It's just like Ed and Brendan going on the phone. and just ran, right? Yeah, this so- is it. This is the Ed and Brendan soap soapbox. This,
0: band. Most people probably don't even know way. what a soapbox is. When you know, like anyone a- under under uh, <laughs> under thirty potentially is going, what what the hell is a soapbox? It's like, <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting to take that poll. Do you know what a soapbox is? Nah. <laughs> All right, you're showing your age, Brendan. Right. You're in your mid thirties now. What dude. do you mean? Well, I'm 25, it, uh, You take 10 off, apparently. That's oh, what I've been told. Oh, well, that means I'm your age then.
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay, back on topic. All right, the next one is get Google Analytics installed. Free tool from Google that tells you how your website's performing, how many visitors are you getting, where they're coming from, what they're doing. Um, it's a no-brainer, but it often... You'll see business owners who want to do SEO or AdWords, but they're already getting a whole bunch of traffic to the website. It's not actually a traffic problem they have. It's a conversion problem they have. So analytics can tell you all these things. So um, you shouldn't really be doing anything from in the online marketing space without analytics installed or some sort of performance measuring tool on the website.
0: Yes, for sure. And look, there's no excuse. It's free. It takes yep. maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most to set up. Um, and yep. a little bit technical. Yeah, there, yeah, and there's a lot to it. You can certainly uh, get a lot more out of it than if, you, if you're using it properly compared to most people, probably only use 5% of what it can do. But if you um, at least have the basics, that's the starting point. You can get some idea of what's happening in on your website and where the traffic's coming from and what's working. So. And then you can always mm-hmm. learn more and you know, and or get help from someone else to get more out of the system than what you're currently doing from the basic setup. So, but I say it's free. It used to cost thousands of dollars to have something like this set up per site. I mean, back in the days when I was you know, early into this stuff, it was very expensive for analytical tools. Uh, and mm-hmm. now Google just provides it to you for free, and it's becoming more advanced as every day goes by. So um, I don't think we need to say any more on that one. Just got to get it. You've got to have Google yeah. Analytics. It's it's a free
1: yep. tool. Got to have it. Cool. Okay. Google Maps. Next one. Yeah. Google Maps listing. Mm. So uh, can't appear on the Google Maps without a Google Maps listing. Pretty straightforward. Um, it's also free. Yeah. So, uh, and this one you can do yourself as well. So, uh, pretty simple. If you go to google.com forward slash local forward slash add, so A-D-D, and it's pretty straightforward, follow the steps. Uh, You may have a listing already, so if you go in and claim the listing, then you can go and edit it, Um, add photos, add a whole bunch of stuff to it. If you don't have a listing, you can set it up there, it will walk you through the process. Basically, the steps to optimizing it are fill out every single field, add photos, logos, images, um, and just by having the listing or by claiming the listing because unclaimed listings generally don't rank very very well. But um, just by having a listing, you'll probably rank pretty well in Google and get quite a bit of traffic.
0: Yep. And it's all sitting there waiting for you to take up and there's a little bit of a process. You have to authorize. and. Be, or be be authenticated by Google that you are the company that's setting up the, the map and they'll send you out a physical postcard in the mail with a code that you've got to put in if you haven't already done this. Uh, and that can be a bit of a bit of a mess if it gets sent to your office and the person who takes the mail in doesn't know what it is and thinks it's advertising, chucks in the bin, had that happen so many times. So you've got to be aware yeah. that this yep. is going to happen. But once you've got over that little small hurdle and you've got it set up, uh, you're good to go and then you can just go and edit it Anytime, if you move offices, you just go in and update that. So, yeah, it's, again, a quick win that's there, ready for people to use. There's uh, some time involved to set it up, but it doesn't actually cost us. on no monthly costs or fees from Google to have that set up. So, again.
1: Yep. So, secondary can... steps to that point would be Bing also have a version of Apple of sorry Google Maps, so yep. Microsoft Search. Um, that's called Bing Places, so if you go to Bing, B-I-N-G, places.com, it's the same process there. Set it up and then verify the listing. Um, and then Apple Maps also have that, so Apple have, on an iPhone, they have their own Maps application. So to appear on that, there's two ways you can do it. One is to get a Apple Maps listing. Um, I can't remember the link off the top of my head, but if you Google Apple Maps Connect, it will give you the link to set up the listing. Um, or the other way is to get a Yelp listing so Apple Maps feeds off the Yelp directory as well. Yeah. So Y-E-L-P um, and Yelp is also just a good directory particularly not so much in Australia but outside Australia but if you're in I guess uh, hospitality, tourism, accommodation space, Yelp can be quite good, um, quite a good site to get listed on again, it's free
0: yeah.
1: um, and then other sites, other important directory sites if they're relevant to your industry, TripAdvisor, Four square, um, and then Facebook as well. So, because Facebook kind of acts like a yeah. um, a maps directory, and people I use that quite often as well. If someone doesn't have a um, a Google Map, or I'm just on Facebook, and you know, it's just easy to, to find the map on there. So, cool. um, yeah. So we have Google Maps is the most important, and then you've got the secondary ones. Yeah. And the great, the great
0: thing is if your business is in the middle of a lake, then Apple Maps, will, you'll be just fine because usually that's where they end up sending you, is <laughs> it, in the middle of a lake. I do how many times I've been driving along the road and then all of a sudden the, the map says I need to go here and it's right through some body of water. So they're getting <laughs> yeah. better. They had a few issues at the start, Apple Maps, but, you know, they, they're much better.
1: So. <laughs> all right. Uh, next one. Commercial high quality photography.
0: Yes. Well, we have two special episodes we've done on this one before with Matt Reed from Project Photography. Um, photography
1: Project. Ed, sorry,
0: Photography Project. I always get that around I hope he's got that domain registered because I think I've said it that way so many times. Uh, I have to check with him on that before we release this podcast. So yeah, you've got to have high quality images because there's nothing worse than having looking at. Particularly, you know, if you're selling products or anything, really, there's no excuse for any photos to look crap nowadays, but uh, if if people are buying products online, they want to see, you know, typically multiple viewpoints of the product. It needs to be high quality, but needs to load fast so your website doesn't load slow when people are, you know, opening up your pages. And it's really expected these days. Uh, If people are looking at a product and think you're buying it and you've got a fuzzy, blurry sort of photo that looks like it was taken by your your grandma on a 1970s camera (laughs) then they're not going to buy it are they yeah they're just going to click away they're going to go to somewhere else where they can actually look at the product and go oh that looks really cool and they can look at the top of it the side of it the bottom of it you know so uh, if you're entering the space and look quite often If you're selling products and services that are generated by a company, they've already done all this for you. You've just got to get the images from the company and use them. You don't have to necessarily take your own. If you've got your own products that you've you've made, then you have to get a professional photographer or be very good at doing it yourself and learn how to do it yourself. So,
1: but got to have good quality. And there's a whole bunch in that episode with Matt, right? Like it's not just just because you have an iPhone and it takes good pictures doesn't mean that they're actually. You know, good pictures from a marketing standpoint, there's a lot of framing and lighting and technical things to go into a good photo Yeah, um, and it's it's hard to sell from uh, – I'm guessing you have the same thing. It's hard to sell our clients and small businesses on photos um, because it just doesn't – it's like it doesn't seem like it's relevant to the website that much but once they do it, then they understand that, you know, they see the difference it makes in the marketing but once they see the photos, they understand. Because um, there's a, there's a few different reasons, but the photos, especially if you have photos of your staff and people on the website, it allows people to connect with the business from the website itself. So it almost takes one thing we try and do with clients when we're working on strategy is take that first step of the sales process and try to replicate it on the website. So then when we talk about having the three P's of photography, so photos of your premises or place of business, your people, and then the products or the services you sell. So those are the three P's because um, people buy for a logical for logical and emotional reasons. So all things being equal, because it's getting more competitive online, people are probably looking at your website and two or three other competitors. And you can all write nice content. That's pretty simple. But still the overlook thing is having good quality photos because and a lot by large part is because people don't think about it or they think they can do their own photos. They don't realize how much goes into a powerful and effective photo. So uh would probably would urge you to check out those episodes with Matt because there's a whole bunch of stuff in there and he can explain it much more eloquently than us as that's what Abs- he does yeah, all day. Absolutely.
0: So. We'll have the links in the show notes to those episodes for those who are uh, keen to learn more about photography and video because he covers both in those podcast episodes. Awesome. Yep. Uh, cool.
1: AdWords and SEO. Yeah, so traffic generation. So yeah. you notice that you know we're like whatever, six steps through, and now we're only talking about getting more hits to the website, whereas often that's the first place people start. So kind of see that our strategy is completely different to the way most small businesses are approaching this stuff, um, and you know that's why it actually works, because it's a strategic approach. It's focused on the business. It's not just focused on throwing traffic at a website without having the underlying strategy and, and foundation in place. So, um I like to have clients, if they are going to do SEO work, to do AdWords work as well, because AdWords and SEO both have their strengths and weaknesses, and um, doing them together balances them out. So AdWords is nice and fast, so you know we can turn on an AdWords campaign and it'll be live t- today or within twenty four hours, whereas we can start doing SEO work today, and it might be weeks or even months before the full impact is felt. Um, So I don't know what your thoughts are there on that.
0: Oh, yeah, look, they go hand in hand. So I I don't think you can necessarily have one without the other. They they do have advantages and disadvantages to them. Uh, I think AdWords, the the main advantage I see with AdWords is the ability to scale up very quickly um, Mm -hmm. and introduce new keyword terms instantly. So, like, all of a sudden you go, oh, look, we're not targeting this particular keyword term. You can create a page of content relevant to that on your website write an ad, put in the keyword terms, switch it on, and within the space of half an hour you can have traffic flowing to that particular page on your website. You can't do that with SEO. It's not that quick. It's, it's You know you can potentially take a month mm-hmm. or two before you start getting that uh, feedback. The other advantage of AdWords is you can be very, very pinpointed with where you're going to target your traffic, whether you're having it locally or internationally or a combination of all of them. Uh, but it's a little bit trickier to do with SEO than with AdWords. And much yeah, less th- direct control, right? Yeah, yeah. And all, the other thing is, as I mentioned earlier when we're talking, if you all of a sudden you, you're getting more work than you can possibly handle and the majority of that, if it's coming from a pay-per-click campaign, you can slow it down or switch it off or pause it. So you can control that flow, which you can't do with SEO. Uh, it's great if you have the challenge with SEO where all of a sudden you're getting a whole ton of traffic, uh, and you know you're getting all this business, but if you can't m- control that and modulate it, then it's it, it can be a bit of an issue. But that that would be a good problem to have, right? With SEO getting so much business that you don't mm-hmm. know what to do with it. Uh, so, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's, it's not a tragedy, but it can uh, potentially. And people don't think about this: if all of a sudden you can't deal with the the, the traffic, you can end up affecting your business in a negative way because people think you're crap because you're not getting back to them quickly enough or you know, you're not servicing the client properly. And we've had this happen with clients before, um, and it's just one of those things you don't think about. You always think, oh, I want to get more, or I want to get more, uh, but sometimes more is not always great if you can't deal with the business that comes in from it. So good problem to have, but you need to plan to be able to scale with that um, incoming traffic and business uh but look yeah i think sorry go
1: ahead no you go ahead
0: (laughs) i I was just going to say you can't have i don't think you can not have both of them i mean you really give me some free traffic any day of the week now technically it's not free because you're doing work to get it in the first place and you're, you're putting things in place seo wise to to make it work so anytime someone clicks on your organic free listing it is has cost you money. You've spent time and effort. You've paid someone or you've done it yourself. So it is not really free. That's a bit of an illusion, I think, that, it, that SEO is free. Mm. Uh, but but AdWords, I think because it's a quicker mode to get there in terms of traffic, there's a lot more people doing it now. So the competition is certainly so much more um, than it used to be years ago. So where you, know, you could have had... 10 people competing in the space five years ago, now there's a hundred of them. <laughs> so they're all yep. waking up to the the paid advertising. Uh, so you've got to be smart with it.
1: Yep, 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 for sure. I think it's also important to be aware of your how the sales cycle works for the products and services you sell yeah. and specifically how complex that sale is and how and the dollar amount of the sale and how long it takes for that sale to happen. because. Businesses, different businesses perform differently from an online marketing and search engine perspective. For sure, someone has a burst pipe, burst pipe in their house, and there's water leaking everywhere. They're going to Google plumbers, whatever plumbers Perth or you know, whatever it is. Call that plumber and get them to come out immediately to fix the pipe. Someone buying a, you know, spending thirty thousand dollars on a new car, they're not going to suddenly do a search in Google, pick up the phone and buy a car straight away. It's a longer sales cycle and it's a more complex sale. So you need to be aware of that when it comes to um, specifically, specifically ranking in the search results. And also, basically, the search engines, Google is not going to do anything for you if nobody is searching for what you sell, if that's not the way they buy. So in mm. some cases, Facebook ads or Ads on the Google Display Network are going to be a better source of traffic than the search engines because the, I think the default thinking is I want to be number one at Google, but there's an assumption there that people are actually searching for what you sell, um, which is not always the case for some things that are not uh, like straight simple product uh, problem solution where I have a problem I'm going to search in Google find someone who can solve that and buy from them like yeah not every product and service or business operates in that manner so it's important to be aware of that and choose the right tool um, and right online marketing channel for your business. So might be worth having a think about that before you assume that Google is where all your customers are going to be hanging out and looking for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to pick the right platform and Google may be it, Facebook may be it, but do some research to figure out where these customers of yours are actually coming from uh, or potentially can come from and where they're, where they're active and go from there. Um, and you know, I often hear people say or read, Uh, on blog posts that SEO is dead or dying. And I'm going, (laughs) well, no, how can people say that? Because it's, you know, everything is tied into the, the, uh, the, the rankings on, on Google, whether it's paid or whether it's the organic free listings, that's not going away. Google's not going to all of a sudden switch off its organic uh, traffic. So, you know, if you're getting traffic from that way and you can make money out of it, then why would you say that it's dead? Because it's, just another form of traffic, so it may not mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. necessarily the best one for you, but um, you know, do the research and find out. Okay, so the next one we have on the list, Brendan, is email marketing.
1: That's true, and we've said we say regularly email marketing before social media, and there's a few reasons why, namely because more people use email than social media platforms and probably spend more time in their inbox than on social media platforms. So um, we have an episode dedicated to email marketing and some of the ways you can use it because a lot of people, we went into a bit more detail there because there's you know an assumption that email marketing is just newsletter broadcast, which is not true at all. So um, rather than go into a big detailed, long-winded Rant about it, which we've already done <laughs> on this other episode.
0: We'll have a link to oh, I think, it in the show notes. But
1: and we've probably ranted enough in this episode, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of leverage. It's probably for most businesses going to be the cheapest and what probably the in the top three in terms of most effective marketing channels. So definitely check, worth checking out that episode, yes. And then, yep, social media after that, which isn't really relevant for all businesses. Um, anyway, I don't think. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, yeah, that is one of my pet peeves is that people just feel they have to be on social media. And to some point, I agree uh, that they have to. But in particular, the question is where is your target market spending their time on social media? So, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, and be where your target market is. That's the most important thing. So, uh, if your target market isn't using any social media platforms, and which is pretty rare these days, usually there's something going on on some social media platform, then work on a strategy to target that particular platform. But if you're targeting corporate uh, sort of business people, you know, you're doing business to business stuff, then more than likely LinkedIn is going to be a better social media platform uh, than Facebook. So understand where they are spending their time, they are being your target market and then have a strategy based around getting in front of them using social media with the end goal still being to get them to your website, to get them on your database. So then you have immediate um, marketing capabilities through your, your database and email list. So mm-hmm. That's what I think on that one, Brendan.
1: I'd have to agree for sure. And also just be, People don't really go to Facebook to buy stuff so just um, you know, right tool for the right job I guess even if your, your customer base is hanging out in Facebook, is it the place where they buy um, and even to the point where would it just be better off doing Facebook ads and focusing on that versus blasting your Facebook page with a whole bunch of stuff. I guess social media strategy can be quite a lot more than just posting stuff to a Facebook page in order to get it to work. So I think that's important to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, that's it. And you can be doing sponsored posts as well, Um, so paying to to boost those uh, posts you've just done. Uh, So there's a whole host of options with your social media, whether it's paid or unpaid. Uh, I I still firmly believe the best place to control all of the interactions with your customers once you've got them engaged is through email. So... Mm -hmm. Because you can email them any time you like. Um, they, as you say, they do spend more time in their email than they do on social media. Uh, that's probably changing a little bit. I think with the younger demographics, I think that
1: you the know, young people, Ed, the young, the young people, people, the under fifty, like like me,
0: the under fifties. So um, is that what we classify as young now, Brendan?
1: <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you're only as young as you feel. Is that that's what? It's uh, not people my like saying. You, all the people I, I've got saying. another
0: saying that we'll keep off the air, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help, though, if that uh, saying is uh, relating to someone that's the same age as you, it sort of falls flat. So anywho, uh, social media is the last on our list. It's not necessarily the least important, but in a, a format that we've worked through and where to tick off the boxes in order... Uh, I think it comes down later in that list as we've got it now. So you need to have all the yep. other items we we talked about ticked off first, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yep. I'm sure there'll be others who listen to this and read this and disagree.
1: But that's- Well, this is really for, I mean, we'll have a couple more episodes on strategy for other particular types of business, for, but for a, small business that's generally operating out of a physical location or works from an office. This is this is generally the strategy that we both roll out um, and in this sequence that we use for them. So, you know, it's obviously going to need modification depending on the business. But broad strokes, this is what we're using, what's working and, and the order we're using it in, right? Correct. That's
0: what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it can always be adapted to different businesses because not you know one blueprint is definitely not um, one that you can use on every single business exactly the same mm-hmm. so you always need to analyze your specific needs for your business and what you're doing and then tailor it to that but all of these components typically are going to be in that blueprint maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily in the same order that we've put them but that's you know 9 times out of 10 that's what we find that we're doing them in, in that order Mm -hmm. So uh, there's no point in having a social media presence if you're sending traffic to nowhere and you don't have a website set up properly to deal with it. And uh, we've said before, don't just rely on a social media presence as your web presence. That's a huge mistake that a lot of people make, completely reliant on social media. And if something happens to their social media account that gets shut off for whatever reason, they have nothing else. They've got no website, no database, nothing. Poof, Mm -hmm. gone. So that's not a good place to be in. So try and spread your activities across a whole host of different areas, with the main focus being your website as your center hub. And uh, you're not going to be exposed as much to potential loss of traffic or business from doing that. Yep.
1: Awesome. I think that
0: that covers it. All right. Here endeth the lesson. (laughs) Cool. So uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we hope you have picked up some good ideas and some tips to put in that uh, process for the Blueprint. And any comments, feel free to leave below and we will get back to you. So thanks, Brendan. Cool.
1: Thanks, mate. We'll
0: catch you next time. Catch you on the next episode. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.